welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we're so thankful that you're here worshiping with us. We're so grateful that you're here today. If you're watching us online, we welcome you today. And um, so thankful that you're here. And as you see behind me, in just a few minutes, my wife is going to go get changed and I'm going to put on my other costume. We're going to give you the rendition of Beauty and the Beast here today. Not a lot of discussion on who's the beauty and who's the beast, but uh, we'll be singing that later today, so stay tuned. Uh, no, it, with, we're very thankful, just to remind you again, um, we are coming to an end here at Crofton over the next couple of weeks. We have three more gatherings here, including today. Uh, we have next week, and then the week after the 23rd will be our last gathering here at Crofton. And we are moving on up. Uh, we are moving to um, Severn Elementary, uh, which is located pretty much right at the corner of 170 and 174, right off 100. Um, so it should be uh, very convenient for most of you. And I verified this. So a lot of you sometimes... Things feel farther than, there is, than they are. But if you're coming from the Annapolis area, coming, and you're used to coming 50 to David Civil Road uh, to Crofton, your drive is going to increase by five minutes. That's it. And partly because 97 is a lot faster than getting on Burns Crossing. So we're actually moving, but we're not technically moving as far as some might think. And for a lot of you, we're moving pretty much into your backyard. So the great, yes. But before you clap, now you just clapped. So that means getting here at 10 a.m. should be easier because it's closer. Hallelujah. See, you shouldn't have clapped. No, I just, I, oh, no, but we're thankful. It's exciting. We're very thankful. And let me say this to you. I said this to our small group leaders this morning, and I want to say this again because I know there's a lot of people here uh, that have, we've been at Severn, uh, we've been at Severn for years off and on now, but let me say this in all boldness in the Holy Ghost. We are not going back to Severn. We are going to Severn. Period. We're not backtracking. God doesn't backtrack. We're not backtracking to Severn. Well, we're going back to Severn. We're not going back to Severn. We're going to Severn because we're not the same we were when we were in. So let's get that attitude out of here for some of you. Like, well, we're going back to Severn. You may be going back, but I'm not going back. I'm going forward. So you get that back out of your, out of your vocabulary. We're not going back. We're going forward. I believe we are primed and positioned and more importantly God has spoken and we're moving period and when God speaks there's no going back it's going forward so we're not going back anywhere we're going forward so excited about what God's doing but we're here um, for the next couple weeks and I was uh, very thankful and I want to read this to you real quick because I thought it was I'll I'll read it again probably on our last Sunday but uh, let me see if I can pull it up here uh, just a moment um uh I, I sent the principal here uh, an email um, regarding our desire to leave um, 
the facility, and we were moving um, to another facility. And um, I want to just read to you, if I can find it here, his response back to me, because I really feel like it was very kind and very generous. And we were here for two years with Sister uh, Naria Williams as the principal. Uh, and when she uh, moved on, um, how do you say his last name? Marinzi. Uh, Principal Marinzi took over, and I was very thankful. And I sent him a note this week just letting him know our intentions and just thanking him for uh, what uh, the school has done, and we are very thankful. And uh, he sent me back a very kind note, and I felt like it was something that I'd like to just read publicly here because I feel like it was just very heartfelt, and um, it just really spoke to uh, him as, as a character and just what we've meant to the school. He says, Pastor Wright, I am so glad that our school could meet your needs as a house of worship for the last four years. He said, I've always loved knowing that the Lord, the name of the Lord is being called upon our building, even if it's only on Sundays. Please continue to pray for Crofton Middle School, our students and our staff that God would continue to be in our school. Best wishes to you and your congregation in the future as you continue to minister to our community. Very thankful for that and the world we live in. And when, our last Sunday here, I think we're going we're gonna to have a special time of praying for this school, for God to continue that. But I just wanted to share that. I thought that was very kind of him to say those words. We've been very thankful, but we are moving forward again. That March first will be our first Sunday in the in in Severin, and uh, we're excited about what God is going to be doing. We are back this week with Tuesday evening, but we're going to be back in the uh, location uh, in Arnold for Tuesday night, and we'll also be live streamed uh, with continuing to tie up some loose ends with the teaching we've been doing uh, before we transition into a new direction. So I'm encouraging you to either, if you can be there at 7 o'clock Tuesday, or you can watch online, that's great. Or if you miss both, you could go back and watch it. I feel like these have been very vital teachings to where God is taking us and what he's preparing us for. Praise God. If you can, feel free to give at any time. The baskets are out here. If you want to give physically or if you're an e-giver, you can do that at any time uh, you like. Let's go to the scripture today, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to start, just read one verse there before transitioning back to the Gospels. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12 says this, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Everybody say persuaded. I am persuaded. Now let's take a moment here, and I want to go back to a portion of Scripture, and I find this to be very unique. If you studied the Bible at all and you studied the Gospels, you will find that the four Gospels have some similarities to them, especially uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, not to get too theological, but uh, if you've studied theology at all, or you've done any formative study of theology, the, 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 the buzzword for Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's called the Synoptic Gospels. 
what they mean by the synoptic gospels is, is that the, those who study the scripture from a theological standpoint believe that Matthew, Mark, and Luke come from the same source. It's actually in, in biblical studies, it's called Q. Q is the German word for source. And so uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a tendency to have similar verbiages and similar stories. They all are tweaked a little bit depending on who they're talking to. John sort of takes a little bit of a different approach, but there are some similar similarities in uh, John as well. For example, Matthew traces the lineage of Jesus sort of back to Abraham. Luke traces the lineage of Jesus back to Adam. And John just pretty much says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He just went back to what, before time. And so we see some similarities, and, and each story is told a little differently, and some have similarities and have a little bit of a twist, and then one is mentioned in this order and another is mentioned in this order, and some who don't know the Bible and don't understand the Word of God kind of use that as a kind of an ability to, to, to shed light on, well, you know, see... Uh, this is wrong because over here it's in this order, over here it's in that order, and therefore there's contradiction, which is just a good way for them to cover up the fact that they're just trying to hide in their own will in their own way. Because each writer of the New Testament, uh, the gospel, was trying to um, share with their readers their revelation of who Jesus was and sharing with us who Jesus was. It was never meant to be a chronological timeline of Jesus. And I said all that to say... When something starts to really line up, to me, that's a, that's, that, that jumps out at me. And I'm about to read to you a scripture that's a foundation for what we're going, where we're going today. And we find it both in Matthew and in Luke. In Matthew, it comes at the tail end of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which if you've been around church at all, you've heard the name, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is where we get the Beatitudes from and, uh, 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 and, and all of these things that are very quoted and very well known in, in church circles because it's a very, very, very famous passage of Scripture. And Matthew 7 is sort of the tail end of that. But this is quite interesting when you start to read that Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 7, they reference almost verbatim the exact same words of Jesus, and almost put them together word for word. Just a minor tweak. And when I see, when I, to me, when I see something like that, it really piques my curiosity because why did those two writers get so close to telling that, story, that story or that particular words of Jesus so specifically close. They didn't deviate, deviate off the path. They stayed almost verbatim. When I see that, it makes me go, okay, there's something that's really special about these words. I'm going to read them to you here. Luke chapter 9, we'll read, we'll, we'll read Luke's version. Luke chapter 11, verse number 9 says this. So I say to you, now when you read this, I want you to pay really close attention to how close these are. They're not absolutely verbatim, but it would be similar to asking two people today, what did the preacher talking about. You'd probably be pretty close. It'd just be tweaked a little bit. Verse number nine. So I say to you, so I say to you ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, and he who seeks finds. 
To him who knocks, it will be open. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If he asks for an egg, will he offer a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now let's go to Matthew's version and look at the similarities. Matthew 7, verse number 7 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Notice this. Exact words. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Or what man is there among you, if he asks, if the son asks for bread, he will give him a stone. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? Now notice that. There is almost exactly the same words. The only thing Matthew took out, is he took out the fish uh, and the scorpion. He took out the egg part. But if you put those side by side, they're almost verbatim. Why? What was so important about this that those, both of these writers felt such an urgency when writing their Gospels that they wanted to make sure that they got these words correctly. You can go many ways with this, but today I want to just stay in this vein and I want to talk to you just for a few moments about the power of expectation. Because I believe both of these scriptures that we read and their similarities are speaking to something that is very powerful in the desire for God to work in us and through us that has to be present. If you have a Bible heading in your your Bible app, if you're using a Bible app, or if you're still old school and you're using just an old normal Bible, probably don't have it, but if you're using a Bible app, you'll notice that a lot of Bible apps have headings. And I find this to be interesting, and the headings are not divinely inspired. Let's get, they weren't in the original text. They're just there for reference. But I like the heading that's given to this because the heading given in my my Bible app that says, keep asking, seeking, and knocking. We are so conditioned that if we ask God or we seek for something or we knock once and He doesn't answer, we stop. But I find it to be interesting, and this is where I really feel like there's an urgency, and I'm going to get to in just a few minutes here, why this is a, 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 a vital portion of Scripture, in my opinion, because I feel like it unlocks a lot of how Jesus operated and how we're to operate when we're praying and believing and seeking for Him. Because there's, a, there's, a, there's an attitude in this Scripture that if you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, It'll be open. If you seek, you'll find. But then he comes back and kind of says it sort of redundantly. But if you read it, it's not really redundant at all. He said, anyone who asks will receive. Or will receive. Anyone who seeks will find. Anyone who knocks, it will be open. There's a connotation in that verbiage that sometimes some doors aren't going to open the first time you knock. There are some things that you're not going to find the first time you start looking. And the problem is we have become such an impatient society. 
were out and about yesterday. We were running some errands and we were trying to get some things done. And we happened to be over here in the Crofton area for a few minutes. And uh, we, we were actually up vacuuming out the car. There's a car wash right up here on three that if you pay to get your car washed, they have free vacuums. And so we were vacuuming at the car and we were leaving there. We were, getting on, we were trying to get on three heading north back towards 97, and I don't know what happened in the water in Crofton, but it seemed like everybody driving three at that particular time was losing their mind all at one time. This is Saturday afternoon. It's supposed to be a chill day, and I felt like I was just trying to get home with my life. And my wife and I began to talk, and this area of the country, a lot of you have lived other places, So you can compare it better than some of us who've grown up here. But this area of the country, especially right here in the Northeast, especially D.C. to Boston, our lives are like this all the time. If you ever want to feel a difference, just take a drive one day. You can feel it. Go across the Bay Bridge. And when your tires hit Kent Island, all of a sudden it's like, wow. I don't know what it is. I don't know if that bridge is sort of a barrier to stress. I don't know. Chris and Mary, you drive it every day. Does it feel that way? (laughs) But we feel like that. I don't know how you feel. Maybe you're used to it. But if you're careful, our area is this. This is it. It's like this. You know, you go down south, they talk about traffic. That just means there was one car in front of them at the stoplight. That's traffic. They talk about high-paced living. That's just because they had cows cross in front of them on the way to work. But we live, I mean, we live, and if you're not careful, you internalize that, right? That's our world we live in. I mean, brother and sister Bailey, they lived for how many years in, on, on, in Hawaii? Twelve years. There's a reason why they call it island time. Because island time is a suggestive time. Because there, everybody's almost too chill. Kind of hard not to be chill when you have waves and oceans every time you turn. But we live in this area, and this area sort of produces this, and it's in the atmosphere, and you can feel it. Uh, and, and I was talking to Dr. Neville. He's from South Dakota, correct? It was funny. He told me, it was, I, I thought it was quite a, 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 a funny joke. He's from South Dakota. His wife's from South Korea, so they call themselves just a bunch of Southerners. That's all they are, just a bunch of Southerners. But we're talking about it. He grew up in a town, am I giving this correct, doctor, 52 people, right? 52 people. My goodness, 52 people. 52. There are some of you that have 552 just in your apartment alone. I said all that because this connection and where we are begins to shape sort of our mentality. If we're not careful, we move into that mentality when it comes to God. And so we're used to knocking. Hey, God, hurry up. I got to go. Let's do something. Let's go. We got to go. And we, God doesn't answer. So we move on to something else. We ask one time. He doesn't answer. We move on to something else. We seek one time and we move on to something else. And he said, hold on. Stop for a moment. 
Some doors aren't going to open the first time you knock. Some some things are not going to be found the first day you start seeking. Some things are not going to be answered the first time you ask. So what's the difference between those who keep knocking and those who stop? Maybe there's a lot of answers to that today that could go a little different direction. But I believe one of the key elements between someone who knocks and stops and not someone who keeps knocking is the power of expectation. You see, if I was to approach a door, I almost had it. Oh, there is a door over here. Isn't that nice? Aren't they glad here? They're hooking me up with props. Isn't that wonderful? But here's the problem. If I walk over to this door and I knock here, my expectation on who's on the other side of that door will determine how long I knock. Because if you ever walked into a, up to a door or to a room or to a house and you weren't sure if anyone's home and you knock, you probably only knock once, maybe twice. But because you don't know if they're home or not, you don't know if they're there, you stop knocking because the expectation of being answered is diminished. But if you're there and you know someone's inside there, your level of expectation changes and therefore your behavior changes because you don't just knock once. You keep knocking. In fact, if you know they're there, more than likely you'll start knocking louder. And if that doesn't work, you'll start knocking and screaming and hollering, Hey! Open up! Because why? Expectations drive your beliefs. Expectations drive your belief. How, what I expect when I knock drives whether or not I'll believe the door is going to open when I knock. If I'm not sure that God is on the other side of that door, I won't knock with the same fervency. As if I believe he's faithful, he's just, he's a God that answers prayer. Go back to the story told in the Bible of the unjust judge. And the widow shows up to the unjust judge and she asks him. He says, go away. She comes back and asks him, go away. Ask him. There's this cycle of going back and forth. Finally, he says, lady. He's driven crazy. Why? Because her expectation was You have the answer, and I'm not going to stop until I find the answer. Your expectation of God determines how you believe Him. See, we talk about faith a lot. And yes, faith is important. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Faith is the foundation. It's It's the center point from which everything grows. But you can't have true faith if it's not tied into expectation because faith without expectation is passive let me give you an example we've heard it before preached about it before the lady with the issue of blood right the lady with the issue of blood here's a lady that the bible talks about a story of a lady some of you may not know the story so i'll give it to you really quickly there's a lady who had an, uh, a physical issue in her body and she traveled around she spent all her money 
trying to, uh, to get healing for this, for this issue and ran out of money and had no options or left to go. She had nowhere to go. And so she heard that Jesus was going to be coming through her town. And the Bible gives us this insight. She says within herself, meaning she talked to herself, she raised the level of expectation within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Now get this. Jesus is walking in a crowd of people. We know this because the Bible tells us this. Because he, she reaches through the crowd. She touches him. He freezes. And he looks around and says, who touched me? And the, the, uh, the, the disciples that were hanging around said, kind of like, are you okay? Everybody's touching you. I mean, you've got to think about the, 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 the mentality that they must have had in that day because I imagine there, were, there would be people just reaching out, touching Jesus all the time. I'll tell a story. I, I, I'll, it was just one of those things, even as a child, that stuck out to me. I was uh, five, about five years old, and I had really, really, really blonde hair when I was five years old. And at the time, we went on a mission trip to uh, South Korea and Japan. And I, heard, I was this five-year-old, five-year-old little boy with bright blonde hair. And I'd walk down the street. And my mom's here today. She can testify to that. I'm walking down the street, and strangers come up to me all the time just rubbing my hair. <laughs> They're just rubbing my hair. <laughs> And I, I remember as a little boy, I was kind of freaked out at first. I'm like, why are these people touching my hair? And they were all just like, they come up to it, they touch it, or they like pull on it. I guess they were trying to see if it was real. And they like look at you and they would rub it. And I'm like in the middle of a store, five-year-old little kid, and people are just lining up. I should have charged and made some money, I guess, you know. You can touch it for five bucks. That's it, five bucks. I should have been more entrepreneurial in my younger age. I could have walked out of there with a good stack of cash. But they were just touching. So I can imagine that when Jesus is going around, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of, t- is this guy really real? Is, he, is this a real guy? Is he fake? Is he, who is this guy? And they're just touching him. Is this, and so he's being touched. So what was it about that day that, when she touched him, it was different than the other touches. And we say, well, it was faith. But I, I, I got I to gotta stop for a moment and look at this. There's no way she was the only person in that crowd today that had faith. No way. She had to have. She could not have been the only one in that entire crowd that had faith. Come on. Had to be some other people in that crowd that day that, day that had faith. So why was she different? I believe the thing that made her different was the power of expectation. Because there was a lot of people touching Jesus with faith, but she touched Jesus with expectation. She touched knowing that when I touch them, this is what's going to happen. That's not just faith. That's expectation. Her expectation drove her belief. I'm fully... I'm fully, as Paul said to Timothy, I'm fully persuaded. With her attitude and the way she felt, if she had reached up and touched him that day and she wouldn't have felt, she'd have gone, I'm going to try it again. 
I don't care if she had to grab on to Jesus and he would have had to drag her for two miles. She would have held on to that garment until she was made whole. Why? Because she was already convinced in her mind, this is what's going to happen when I do this. You see, a lot of us have faith, but we don't have the right expectation. God says, you know, the, the word of God goes forth or, the, or, or faith is connected in this room. And people are like, you know what? What do you need from God today? Well, I need God to touch me. Okay, God's going to touch me. And, and we stand up and say, God, touch me. But we do it with faith. But our expectation is probably not going to happen. Well, I'll try it, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. We don't really say that out loud. We wouldn't dare utter those words out loud. But our attitude and our thoughts in our mind are saying that we got that voice. Because why? Here's the problem. It's amazing to me how often we limit a limitless God. It's amazing to me how often we put parameters on a limitless God. So follow me for a second with this. Expectations drive your beliefs. Beliefs become your behavior and behavior becomes your habit. Run that back one more time because you've got to get this and I'm going to show you in scripture where that is. So expectations drive beliefs. Beliefs become your behaviors. Behaviors become your habits. Now let's, let's, re, let's reverse engineer that for a second. Story in the Bible, Daniel. We know Daniel because Daniel's famous for spending a night with Barnum and Bailey. In the circus, in the lion cage, with the lions. And came out with a full night's rest. But here's the point. In that period of time, the Bible tells us of what Daniel did in that moment. During the time in the lion's den, the Bible says he was praying. Now, he said, of course he was praying. Obviously, he should be praying. He's surrounded by these lions. I would be praying too. But see, here's the problem, and this is why a lot of us don't see answers to prayer. Because Daniel, go back and read the story. When did he start praying? Before or after or in the lion's den? He was praying before he got into there. Because it was his prayer and his habit of prayer. He was so habitual in his prayer that they could set him up. The people that were conspiring against him knew he was so consistent with his prayer time that they knew when he was going to be praying that they could trap him and end up getting him in this lion's den. That's how consistent he was. But if you go back and you look at that, why did he have these behaviors? Why did he have these behaviors that turned into such a, such a dogmatic habit? The reason he had these behaviors is because he had a belief in God that we did not see in the others, in the other Hebrew children at the time. 
And on top of that, because of his faith in God and who he thought, who he knew God to be and the revelations that God had given him, he had a level of expectation. I believe when he walked into that lion's den, he expected to walk out. Why? Because he was so invincible? No, because I believe in prayer, he had already been in many lion's dens in prayer. So just because it was happening in the flesh, he had already tackled it in the spirit. That's the problem most of us struggle with. And let me just stop for a moment and get off this train and just get on this, this side for a moment if I can. The problem is a lot of us want to start praying when the lions show up. But when we start praying, when the lions show up, we're not really praying with faith. We're praying with fear. Oh, God, don't you see all these lions around me? Oh, God, oh, God, help me. Help me endure. Help me endure. That's not faith. That's fear. If you start praying when the lions show up, you're already on the path to defeat. Because I believe, I know some have speculated, it's just my belief, so I'm, I'm telling the story, you tell it your way, I'm telling it my way. I believe, think about it, do you think Daniel closed his eyes when he prayed in the lion's den? Think about it, you ever thought about it? Because if it was me, I'd be like, God, I know you're able. I know I'm watching you right there, buddy, I'm moving you're able. God, you can deliver me out of here. (laughs) I believe Daniel was so confident and he was so habitual in his prayer time. He's like, I don't care where I'm at. I'm talking to God. I'm not going to start talking to God now that I'm here. And I'm not going to start talking, stop talking to God because I'm in there. And I believe if, if I know Daniel like the Bible talks about Daniel, Daniel got in there with his eyes closed. Because to him, he did not see lions. He saw God. He didn't see what was around him. He could only see the God that was with him. Too many of us pray with our eyes open. I'm not talking about physically with your eyes open. I wouldn't suggest walking and praying with your eyes closed. But we pray too much with our eyes open. What do I mean by that? We pray too much with looking at our surroundings versus closing our eyes and looking to Jesus. Why? Expectations. See, when I pray with my eyes open, maybe not physically, but let's, let's talk here theoretically. When I pray with my eyes open, I'm really praying with one eye on God and one eye on my situation. So I got one foot in faith, one foot in doubt. And I'm straddling the fence between the two. And guess what? That's a miserable place to be. Because I know God's able, but then I feel like I'm stuck in my doubt. Why? Because I'm praying and I'm believing with the wrong expectations. That's why I can go to the door and I can knock in the door of, to the door of faith. And I can knock. Well, I guess it's just not my day. Why? Because I don't really expect that God's going to hear the knock on the other side. But if I really believe in an expectation, when I knock, 
What are you doing? I'm knocking. Why are you knocking? Because I believe. Yeah, but I don't see anybody moving. That's because you're looking with your eyes open. But I'm closing my eyes. I'm knocking with my eyes closed because I know there's something on the other side of that door. I wonder how many times we've knocked and that door was about to be unlocked, but we stopped. I'm not, I, there's no scripture to this. I got it. So let's just put this in the appendix under Joel's version for a second. I, I, I wonder. Now, there's no sorrow in heaven. I got that. I, I'm, I, I know the theology of it. So don't, don't, I'm not messing with your theology. I'm just talking, okay, for a second. Because some of you are like, that's not even theologically possible. I got it, okay? But I wonder if heaven, if, if God would say, hey, I want to show you something. And he could replay my life and go, remember when you were going through that situation? I want to show you how close I was to stepping in right when you quit and gave up and went a different direction. I'm not talking theory here, folks. I'm talking about something that I have walked and am walking. My wife and I, I, I I'll, I'll give you a brief story here. We'll get out of Scripture and get into some real life stuff. And I'll tell you the brief story. My wife and I, you know, most of you know the journey my wife and I have been on. We, uh, we felt back in, in last July, the Lord was, asked, was telling us it was time for us to move. So we put on our house on the market, and on one side of it, people are like, well, you don't really sell your house in the summer. That's not when people want to move. And I'm not in real estate, but I just know I'm in Jesus' state. And Jesus says it, we're going to do it. So we put our house, and from the moment our little sign went into the ground until we signed paperwork at the closing table, it was 40 days. Now, I know that seems like a lot for you, but in selling and buying a house, from the time you put your house in the market, time you sign, 40 days is like a sneeze. It is lightning fast. And in 40 days, so we're like, okay, God, you're in this. Woo, this is awesome. And we, we told you, we were telling a story, you know, people ask you, where are you going? No idea. Where are you moving to? No idea. Our poor real estate agent, she was so wonderful with us in the journey, but she kept asking me, where do you guys want to look at? We're like, Frederick to Delaware, Pennsylvania to Virginia. Not quite that bad. It was almost that wide. And she did such a wonderful job. She had so much space with, with us trying to chase, go with us on this rabbit trail. But we, we started looking. No idea where we're going. This is before God. Before God, I guarantee you, in four months, we looked at somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 homes. Is that about right? 50 homes. Not physically got into most of those, but I'm talking about where we, we looked up or researched somewhere around 50 homes. In fact, I, I was joking one day to our, to our realtor, and I asked her, I said, What's the record for the most homes you've ever showed anybody? She said, I think you've got it. I'm like, yes. 
we got something good out of this project. And there's this one side of you that says, well, you know, shouldn't God just know where you're, you know, he's just told you and it's been one house. God doesn't always operate like that. It does seem like it would be great if you would have God just said, here is the word of God. You're going to move to such and such place on such and such date. Therefore, have peace. It's going to be okay to show up at this date at this time. Wow, great. If that happened to you, don't tell me. Because I'm going to have to pray through. Because God didn't do that. In this particular case, he didn't answer the first time we knocked. We kept knocking. And my knuckles got tired. My wife started knocking. Her knuckles got tired. We started using her elbow. We got knocking. And this is not, this is no exaggeration. We went and saw probably house number 51 on a Friday night. Friday evening. We walked, we were going back home and we were talking and we were literally saying, God, we know you've got a house up there. We just can't seem to find it. What's going on? And we both were kind of like, should we just stop looking? Maybe we should just quit. We just stop looking and we're, we're, we're living with uh, Bishop and Mother Wright and it's been wonderful laying there. I'm like, let's just stay there for a while till they kick us out maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll just hang with them. Maybe that's the will of God. Maybe we're just supposed to be with them forever. <laughs> so it's like, this is like where we're at. We're like, oh, and, then, and so this is where we're at Friday night. And I'm telling you this because I'm trying to tell somebody, you may be so close to where you're getting to, but you're about to give up. And I'm trying to get to you today. Don't give up. And so this was Friday night. And we're like, we're driving back home and to, 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 uh, my parents, and we're driving back home, we're talking, we're going, you know what, I guess this is it, I guess we just need to give up for a while, and just, just, and we were actually saying, look, why don't we take a two-month break? We won't look on, I mean, we have, we set it set up so, you know, there's a bunch of real, uh, websites and apps out there, we set it up, like, every day, I'm getting, like, 32 emails in my inbox of houses, I'm like, let's just stop it all, we'll just, we won't look at another email, we won't do anything else, we'll just stop. I went home, and, I, and when we got back, I, I, I went, and, and, and Bishop Wright was sitting in his chair, and I went and talked to him. I said, listen, and I, I made it sound real good and noble. I'm like, we've been talking, and we just made me feel like the Lord's just wanting us to wait. Because that's where I felt. I'm like, we just, maybe, and so, you know, he was, he was you know, they've been very supportive of that, and they were okay with that, and so that's what we we're going to do. As of Friday night at midnight, we were done. That's it. Kids, we're living with your grandparents the rest of your life. It's a good day. Free ice cream forever. Please, by the way, pray for our children because the withdrawal they're going to go through from the lack of ice cream is going to be an immensely emotional process because at grandma's house, it's always stocked with ice cream. But at the real house... We don't be doing all that ice cream every day. So they're going to have to go through some withdrawals. So Friday night we lay down. Saturday morning we get up. And uh, independently we both came to this. And when we compared notes we realized we were on the same page. We said, look, let's just, I don't know why, 
let's just go back to the house one more time. And we both kind of thought, it's kind of pointless, but we just, we'll just make sure every door shut. And I don't get all the details of the story, but basically we went back to that house and come to find out there was a house available in that same neighborhood we didn't see the day before. And when we walked into that house Saturday, within about two seconds, we knew this is it. This is the house God wants for us. I, I said all that, not to get in that story, but I said all that to say that we were one decision away to, from quitting knocking after 50 knocks on the door where we almost said, and God was reaching for the knob about to say, you're about to step into it. We almost quit knocking. Why? Because we were starting to battle with expectation. We knew God could, but we were starting to struggle with the expectation, is it ever going to happen? Thank God I don't have to get to heaven. And he has to pull me aside, hey, I want to, I want to choose. I know, you know, it all worked out, but I want to show you where I wanted you to move. But you didn't go back and knock on the door one more time because you gave up. See, the problem with this, we've said it before, this doesn't work with our intellect. Let me give you this one more, let me give you this one more, one more scripture here, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to land this plane. What time is it? I can see the clock now, so I never will preach longer. I was always long-winded because I always thought it was like 11. See, I'm like, I've only been doing it for 10 minutes. Twice, look at it, bookend, it's bookend in scripture. I never noticed it till the other day I'm studying, and it kind of jumped out at me. Two very similar stories bookend in the lives of the disciples. The first one, I believe, is in Luke chapter 5. I'm correct on this. Luke chapter 5 tells us the story of Peter fishing out in the water and catching nothing and Jesus standing on the shore and says, Hey, just throw your net down one more time. Actually, let me read it to you because I think there's a context in here. I want you to see Luke chapter 5. Let me pull it up here for a second. Luke chapter 5, verse number 1. Let's just read all through it for just a second. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Meaning what? Now get this picture. Ready? Time out. Get the picture. Let's paint the picture. They had already given up for that night. When they were done, they brought their necks in and they washed them and got them, made sure that they were ready to go for the next day. They had already been through that process. They had already stopped. And Jesus stands there and he says this. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let, him down the, and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Meaning, dude, we are experienced fishermen. We did this all night long and did nothing. But he said, nevertheless, 
at thy word, I will let down your net. What are you going to believe? Your experience or, your, or the word of God? See, one of the things that changes our expectations is past experiences. Well, I prayed about this before. God didn't answer. I believed for this before. I didn't answer. I, 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 I thought God was going to do it before. Expectation a lot of times comes from our past experiences. Guess what? The word of God trumps your past experiences. He said, and when they had done this, when they had done what? What did they do? They listened to the word of God versus listening to their experience. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. To the point the Bible says they asked others to come over and get it. Now, that's story number one. Now watch this. That's the beginning because later on Jesus said, hey, come on. You know, we'll follow me. We'll do this fishing for men thing. That, that's the start of this. Now watch this. John 21. Listen to this. Ready? And these things Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. And in this, he, this way he showed himself. Simon Peter called, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. Two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're also going with you. They went out immediately and got in the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning came, Jesus stood at the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered, No. And he said, Cast the net on the right side and you will find some. So they cast the net. Now they were not able to draw because the multitude of fish. What's the difference in those two stories? The difference is the first time he said, but we've been fishing all night long. We've caught nothing. But nevertheless, the second story he said, put it down on the other side. They obeyed without questioning. Why? Different expectations. Same obedience, different expectations. Because you know why? That's why there's power in a testimony. Because a testimony changes expectation. Because I believe that in the eye and the mind of Peter, when Jesus called out from the shore, hey, he didn't even know it was Jesus. It wasn't like he said, oh, that's Jesus. Let's do it again. The Bible said they didn't even know it was Jesus. And the the voice got out, hey, do you got any food? No. Put your net down. On the other side. The Bible says they cast their net. Why? I believe, because he was always the hot shot, Peter did it because in his mind he thought, I remember this. Fellas, three years ago we did the same thing. Look what happened. If that happened, it can happen again. You see, that's where the power of where you've come from can shape where you're going. Because if you know, if God did it before, He can do it again. Does that change my faith? Not really. That's why the Bible says all you need is a great, the faith the size of a mustard seed. It's not faith that you need. You need expectation. Because the second time they threw their nets down, they didn't even stop to question. 
is this going to work? They knew it. That's why you can't forget. You can't let it slip. You can't let it go away. You can't let it out of your mind what God has done in your past because he might say, put your net down and it might be the same thing he's asked you to before and that voice of doubt may creep and say yeah is it really going to happen but that voice of a testimony inside of you says wait a minute I remember the pit from whence I was dug and if God did it then he can do it again I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost today, I believe God is telling somebody in this place, put your net down one more time. Cast your net on the other side. And in your spirit, you're saying, but God, we have toiled all night long and caught nothing. But if you would change your expectation and go, God, if you said it, then I believe it. We're just going to step in the Holy Ghost for a second. I felt this earlier. It's come back in me. Where are all my folk that were at Severin at any point in time? You went to Severin. Stand up. You went to Severin at any point in time. Just come on down here for a second. We're going, we're going, we're going to take care of this right now. We're going to walk in the Holy Ghost. We're going to do this. We're about to just raise the bar of faith in this place. If you were at Severn any time, I don't care if you went there for a month or you went there for years, come down here for a second. I'll tell you what the word of the Lord is to this group especially. You've toiled all night and caught nothing. But I'm telling the Holy Ghost, throw your net down on the other side. Because there's a great catch that's coming our way. And if you just say, God, we've been fishing in this same pond. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost. We've been fishing in this same pond and we didn't catch anything. Yes, but Jesus is on the shore and he's trying to tell somebody in this group, throw your net down on the other side because there's a multitude of fish swimming your way. Come on, I want you to lift your hands right now and I want you to begin to throw your faith out there. Come on, I want you to cast your net of faith. Come on, there has been seed that has been sowed by this group. There's been work that's been done by this group. You've gone and you've worked Sunday after Sunday. You've toiled Sunday after Sunday and in your, your, your weariness you say, God, but we caught nothing. But I'm telling you today, throw your net on the other side. Rise up faith. Rise up expectation in the name of Jesus. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. I bind every spirit of doubt. I bind every spirit of unbelief. I loose an operation of faith and expectation. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, you can see it in your spirit. Let God show you this in your spirit. 
Come on, just tap into something that's in this place. Come on, tap into something that's in this place. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost rising up in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I wonder if we can do this. Some of you come down here and say, listen, you're not casting your net by yourself this time. We've got your back. I don't know why we're doing this, but come on, it's time. Can I get some of you that would come down and join with these down here and say, look, we're going in this together. We're not going this by yourself. We're in this together as one body, one group. One church. Hallelujah. Come on. This is all a part of what God's going to do. This is the start of it. Before we even get there, it's the start of it. Come on. We're going together. There's a harvest field. Come on. It's a new thing. It's a new thing. We're not throwing the same nets out. We're not throwing the same nets out. But I feel the sound of an abundance of rain. I feel the sound of we've we've toiled. We've done it all. No, we have not done it because now God says throw the nets out. He said, we've knocked. I said, keep knocking. We've asked. Keep asking. We believed. Keep believing. We've seek. We've sought. Keep seeking. Ha, oh, Jesus. He cut a rubber cotoria to high. He had a little bit of a Come on, God's going to do a new thing. We're not trying to create an old thing. God's doing a new thing. It's a new thing. It's a new season. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new season. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Every seed that's been sown, God, we speak life into that seed. Every dry bone, we say life, come to the dry bones. We prophesy to the dry bones. We prophesy to the seed. In the name of Jesus, we say life, life, life in Jesus' name.
Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, we're not done yet. Don't, 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 don't quit on me yet. We're not done. The Holy Ghost is still moving. I feel to do one more thing before we're done, so don't quit on me yet. We're just taking a moment, letting God do what He wants to do. Well, we're not quitting. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Now, there are those that have been praying up here. They're still praying, but we're going to still keep praying. They're still praying. We're not stopping that. But this is for everybody. I feel to do this. I felt to do this before we, but um, this morning, and then the Lord wanted me to do this first. But if you're in here today and you've been knocking, but the door hasn't been opening, and you feel like you just don't know if you have much more strength to keep knocking. You've been asking. It hasn't happened. If you've been seeking, it hasn't found. But you don't want to give up because you know you, you, there's an expectation that says God's faithful. He's not going to quit. But you just say, look, sometimes I get weary, but I know God's faithful. Would you come stand down here? We're going to pray for you today. We're going to pray because I believe there's some of you that you are just moments. You're just a knock away. You're just a a, 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 a a step away. You say, well, that just sounds good. Well, according to your faith, so be it unto you. You can you can stay in your doubt, but let me walk in my faith. But you've got a choice. You're going to walk with your eyes open or you're going to walk with your eyes closed. Some of you need to close your eyes today. Maybe not physically, but you need to close the eyes of your spirit. Stop looking at the empty net and start looking at the word of God that says, do it again, do it again. But God, my net is empty. Do it again. But I've knocked before and it hasn't happened. Do it again. But I've asked and nothing's happened. Do it again. But I've sought and I haven't found it. Keep seeking. How many times does it have to happen? See, expectation says it doesn't matter how many times it takes. I know God's going to do it. Would you lift your hands? Come on. Would you down here lift it? Can I get some brothers and sisters join again? Those that has their hand lifted, we're just going to pray with them. We're not praying for them. We're praying with them. The Holy Ghost is here again today. The power of God is here today. We're going to pray again. We're going to speak again. We're going to loose again. We're going to step out again. We're going to throw our nets out again. 
You say, what? but what if it doesn't happen? Expectation says it will happen. I just don't know when. I don't know where. And I don't know how. But I know God's able. 